1: Unexplainable is a science show about everything we don't know. Like, we don't know how bikes work.
2: Get out. Come on.
1: We don't know where the moon came from.
2: Holy cow. You've touched the moon. This
1: is incredible. We don't even know what life is. No one has been able to define life, and some people will tell you it's not possible to. Unexplainable takes you right up to the edge of what we know and keeps going. New episodes every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hello, and welcome to BioEats World, a podcast at the intersection of bio, healthcare, and tech. I'm Olivia Webb, the editorial lead for bio and health at A16Z. In honor of Election Day in the U.S., we have a particularly policy-themed episode today. Vanita Agarwala, general partner at A16Z Bio and Health, interviewed Bobby Franklin, president and CEO at the National Venture Capital Association. They discuss whether healthcare can be a bipartisan topic, how regulation can potentially enable care models at scale, and the opportunities for startup world and DC to collaborate to improve patient care. Let's get started.
2: So, Bobby, you have lived in Washington and been a part of the professional fabric there on the Hill for for so long. I'd love to get your perspective for a moment on the role that you have seen policymakers play in shaping American healthcare.
1: That's a great question, Vanita. Thanks for asking it. You know, from my perspective or vantage point, what I would call a front row seat of policy making and and f- Full disclaimer here, I've never been kind of directly involved except here at NVCA and having more involvement with healthcare. but certainly working on Capitol Hill, working in the Senate as a staffer, you see things that happen around you. I would say, and this is more a conversation about the Hill and about changes we've seen. When I was there in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a camaraderie among a lot of folks on committees of jurisdiction, and there was a sense that the committees of jurisdiction really had a responsibility to try to lead and try to get government policies into the right place. Now, that doesn't mean we didn't have partisan fights back then. That's always been a part of Washington. And, you know, I think in some respects a very healthy debate. I would say that today there's a lot of unhealthy debate that really isn't about the problems at hand. It's about extraneous things. I would also say, unfortunately, a lot of people don't get to see the positive debate that does happen because that doesn't sell. People now are more entertained by the outlandish kind of debates or many times just negative Barbs thrown at each other, and that's what gets the headlines. A lot does still happen behind the scenes, and I I think healthcare is one of those that it's so complex, as you have pointed out in the past. It's you know 20% of GDP. It's such a big part of our country, and the government has such an outsized role in it. And many would say they should, and and I don't necessarily disagree with that. But I feel like when Congress or policymakers get together. And whether it's 21st century cures or it's, you know, kind of really trying to lean forward and have a a pathway going forward, or even years ago when there was an effort to have reform at the FDA to make sure the FDA was responsive and giving answers quicker than perhaps they did before then, I think you saw some positive movement. So to me, it's, when when you have people who are passionate and care and are practitioners and are involved in the healthcare delivery space, working alongside policymakers who also care about their constituents and about our country and making sure we try to achieve the highest and best healthcare system that we can in the world, great things happen. And that's a positive. It's it's just not always the headlines that people see
2: it's not the headlines exactly i think that's a really interesting perspective that you know there has been progress when you actually look at the policy and the implications that we benefited from but sometimes you know that wasn't that wasn't the headline and we got distracted on the gridlock or some other kind of frankly unfairly negative view of the role of washington do you think healthcare is actually a topic where where people really are more willing To shed partisan biases and come together to be collaborative, recognizing that you know, kind of red or blue, healthcare kind of affects me and everyone. If
1: we're gonna rhyme, (laughs)
2: Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. uh,
1: Red or blue, it affects me or you. I think it is for the simple sake that if you're a senator or a member of Congress, your constituents are impacted by this, and some Uh of the most you know heartbreaking many times stories that you will hear from constituents as a policymaker, as a member of Congress is around health care, what didn't work or what ailment seems to be prevalent and and I, I do think it it should lend itself to breaking uh-huh. down partisan barriers. I think the bigger challenge to be honest with you, it doesn't have to do with Republican and Democrat divide as much as it has to do with the complex, network and all of the myriad players and, you know, you've got the insurers and the providers and the hospitals and the doctors and the, you know, it's like all these different layers of people that have a role to play in healthcare delivery and each of them have their sets of issues. They have the things that they would like to see improve. They have the things that they're kind of in defensive posture against And when so many different players have their own positions that they've staked out, I think that more than partisanship makes it challenging and difficult because each of those players have relationships with all policymakers. So policymakers hearing from their constituents – They're seeing the challenges that are out there and the solutions that need to be found, but they're also working within a system that has already has, you know, I'm not in it like you are, but it wouldn't surprise me if you, you know, said when you're in the system, you see inequities and you see different players in here that have different levels of economic power or decision power or whatever it may be and uh-huh. people are going to naturally try to protect any kind of you know positive position they've gained over the years in healthcare and so when somebody's making a suggested change to to how that might impact them then they're going to recoil they're going to defend they're going to use politics and and their power and their position in politics to to try to keep it from happening
2: yeah. Now, this is why um, I get actually quite excited about novel care models that seek to create pools of shared savings uh, that multiply. Uh, and if you squint, sort of make it seem like, hey, maybe the pie can actually grow in terms of the number of constituents who can benefit, because otherwise it is a little bit of a zero-sum game in healthcare. There's only so many dollars to go around. And if you're going to move dollars from one stakeholder to another, someone's going to have less in their pocket and someone's going to have more. And that's, that's just the way it is. But I think if there are ways in which you can create new opportunities um, and have multiple groups, you know, one group saves, one group gets to keep part of those savings, I think regimes like that become become very exciting um, from a policy perspective. The, the last question I'll just ask you if i may ask you to predict a little bit of the future or the near term future so folks often look at venture capital as an exercise in making bets against the future or on the future kind of having a voyeuristic prediction around what might happen and i often actually recoil when that happens in healthcare because i say sure there are there are new trends coming in healthcare but actually a lot of healthcare you know uh, patient provider behavior and the core challenges don't change that often. And so sometimes what I feel like I'm betting on more than than a core property of the future is someone's ability to operate within the current system in a different way actually. But the one thing that does change is what we what we alluded to, which is policy change. So that really does happen. That can happen quickly. That can happen you know, overnight for a startup that can happen in a way that creates brand new opportunities for startups. And so if you could put yourself in that crystal ball seat for a moment, what are a few of the changes that you might see coming from a policy perspective that could affect healthcare startups in the near term?
1: Having a front row seat in Washington, here's the way we sort of think about the next few months and the next year, couple of years. Obviously, the midterm elections are what is daring us In the face right now, at the time of this recording, it's a few weeks out and it appears by a lot of polling and other things that Republicans have a really good chance of taking the House and even a good chance of taking the Senate. If that happens, I think one of the things you see in Washington is when you have divided government, it's a lot harder to do big things. It's also, though, harder to do damaging things. And so in some respects, it means you're kind of staying the course a little bit. And you may not have like the big 21st century cures type activity. So from a Washington perspective, it may mean that at least till the next presidential election, that things are kind of in the same place in Washington. And I think a lot of those big efforts take time anyway. There are some who would say that the president, who had a very kind of track record of working with the other side of the aisle back in the days. I mean, when I was on the Hill, he was a senator and, you know, working with both sides of the aisle, looking for compromise. There are some that think maybe he will try to reach agreement with Republicans if this happens the way it looks like in polls now. Of course, old as this recording is, uh, you know, we may have to do another one given a different outcome in the election. But that's one of the things that I think will impact whether or not there are big changes or, or not over the next couple of years. Then when you start looking at the next presidential election and what happens in that scenario, and do you get divided government going forward, or do you get consolidated government, meaning the House and Senate and the White House are all controlled by the same party, and do they have a a victory margin that allows them to do more as opposed to when we're like now, 50-50 Senate, where one senator can hold things up or one senator can make things happen, then it's a different game. So, you know, from a a Washington player's point of view, that's the way we sort of think about the prospect for big legislation or big significant changes.
2: That is helpful to hear. And Unsurprisingly, stability can be great for technology companies, too. Technology companies that are already working in the regime of certain enabling policy changes, whether that's care model innovation or whether that's price transparency legislation or a whole range of um, of really impactful policy. It's helpful sometimes for startups um, and incumbents alike to be aware that Certain policy changes may be here to stay for the near term, and it's worthwhile and um, can be impactful to continue building in those in those arenas. So, thank you for sharing that perspective.
1: And I'm just curious, your perspective when you think about sometimes it's just kind of working better within the system that's there, as opposed to the you know big advancements in finding a new novel whatever it is in healthcare. And I think policymakers need to kind of understand this better from venture capitalists and, and startup companies, that there's there are opportunities to make improvements in the current known uh, solutions. And then you also, though, have to have this appreciation for we are going to make advances in solutions. And Whether it's mRNA and what we've seen with the vaccines and Moderna, or it's, you know, some other pathway for potential breakthroughs and understanding what could be on the horizon for Alzheimer's patients and hope there or for a lot of of the difficult, you know, diseases. There's lots of area where we can improve. We can save money. We can have better outcomes and we can make, you know, healthcare better for everybody.
2: Oh, could not agree more. And I should have clarified on the life sciences side, I believe there are completely fundamentally game changing technologies that are just being incubated in their infancy now. And, are you know, we'll see the impact of those technologies unfold over the next five to 10 years and, and, and beyond. And, and even lots of new therapies that are going to change the standard of care even within the next five years, and we are enormously excited about those dramatic changes to the future. On the care delivery side of the house, there are lots of exciting technologies there, too, that are game-changing. AI models that can predict when a patient's going to be at risk of sepsis, the computational ability to analyze a tumor specimen and figure out how to better target it with a new therapy. Lots of game-changing work there, too. But also... A set of initiatives that need to figure out how to integrate closely with the care delivery system we already have. And that system is not going to get a makeover overnight. I just if I have a family member who has a heart attack tomorrow, I am still going to show up to my local emergency department. And that emergency department has to function in a certain way. And actually, we all have to be pretty grateful for the set of safety checks and systems and mechanisms we have to know that, like in most cases, you know, we're providing quite good care in for a lot of diseases and a lot of patient populations. It can always be better. And so that's the way in which I mean some set of the startups we back in healthcare, I view as not designing a healthcare system from scratch but rather figuring out how to scale a new technology within the bounds of an existing healthcare system that can, you know, that can deliver that care to to all Americans ultimately. So
1: and, and tying it back to what we were just saying about all the different piece parts, a lot of times you can get that implemented better or quicker than even some of the new groundbreaking things, because if you could be disrupting somebody.
2: Yeah, exactly, and then that's that's the way in which healthcare is a little different, right, from kind of a technology that, let's say, private enterprises need to adopt only uh, and can do so pretty nimbly, or from a from you know, let's say a consumer technology or a set of avid consumers can create a, a new future by adopting this technology. That's a, there's a little bit more nuance there in terms of building a new future healthcare. And but in, share your enthusiasm for both. Incremental technologies, but also breakthrough technologies yeah. that hopefully make us all healthier. Thank you, Bobby. Yeah.
0: Thank you for joining BioEats World. BioEats World is hosted and produced by me, Olivia Webb, with the help of the Bio and Health team at A16Z and edited by Phil Hexa. BioEats World is part of the A16Z Podcast Network. If you have questions about the episode or want to suggest topics for a future episode, please email bioweedsworld at a16z.com. Last but not least, if you're enjoying Bioweeds World, please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Please note that the content here is for informational purposes only, should not be taken as legal, business, tax, or investment advice, or be used to evaluate any investment or security, and is not directed at any investors or potential investors in any A16Z fund. For more details, please see a16z.com disclosures.